0: And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Don't touch that dial. You're tuned in to the Dread Podcast Network. Welcome to Development Hell. Every horror movie that hits vod countless others end up doa development hell is the podcast dedicated to unearthing these cursed horror productions we're gonna find out what went wrong and then decide if these titles still stand a shot at the green light i am your host josh corngut i am the managing editor of dread central i am also a filmmaker in toronto canada This podcast is a proud member of the Dread Podcast Network. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to a brand new episode of Development Health. So as you know, usually we're here to dig up unmade horror movies that just never got to see the light of day. But every once in a while, we break out of that shell and try new things. We talk to filmmakers about what it's like to get independent films made. And sometimes we take a bit of a detour to different film festivals to see what's coming up on the horizon of horror. And that's what we're going to do today. So we have taken a look at some of the scariest, most outrageous, sometimes Shocking films that premiered at the Toronto International Film Festival. And we're here to sort of give you the early inside scoop on some of the most interesting genre films that are about to take the world by storm. So, this is your chance to sort of get a peek into the buzziest horror movies that are on the horizon and will likely be released within the next year. Today, we are joined by a familiar guest. You may remember Emily Gagne. She joined us before on multiple episodes, including Halloween 3D, Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Kara Fukunaga's It. Oh my God, it goes on forever. Emily, how's it going?
1: It's going well. I'm here to clown around, as I usually (laughs) am, and this time with some prestige titles from the Toronto International Film Festival.
0: We are going high brow, and that's okay because our brows can be high. That's beautiful. It's very drag to draw on your brows really, really high.
1: Absolutely, absolutely, and two queers here we need to have, (gasps) though. high arches, baby. Yeah, yeah
0: out. Emily, will you reintroduce yourself to the development how audience?
1: Yeah, uh, I am a—I'm gonna say Jess of all trades. I don't know mm. um, how to say this instead of a jack of all trades, but I—I uh, do a lot of different a Jill of all trades. Oh, thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. I—I um, uh, I do write for Dread Central. I have a column called Final Girl Fashion, which is about costumes and horror. Um, I also have a screening series. In Toronto, that's dedicated to women in film, and uh, I also have a new newsletter called Himbo Cinema, which is about iconic dumb guys in cinema. So I, I, I cover you know the gambit when it comes to film. So I feel like I am the right guest for this particular episode.
0: Oh, I have to agree. Now, uh, constant listeners of this podcast will remember you as. You know, a killer clown aficionado because you tend to be here when clowns are out of control. But today, you know, we're going in a different direction and we're going to talk about a bunch of different movies that we experienced at this year's Toronto International Film Festival because you and I are Toronto girlies, right? Yes, uh,
1: born and raised in Mm -hmm. Toronto. We've been going to the festival for many years, but the past few years we've been members of the press
0: oh my gosh it is it's- not a responsibility that we take lightly we're going to talk about hell of a summer which is sort of like a horror comedy slasher we're going to talk about when evil lurks an argentinian chiller i might say there's wow. the contestant. <laughs> yeah there's the contestant <laughs> which is a shocking documentary and then i'm gonna dig a little bit into a korean horror film called sleep and emily is gonna dig into you know a hot title by the name of dream scenario so to get us started. Why don't we start with Hell of a Summer? Does that sound good to you?
1: Let's have a hell of a time.
0: So for each of these films, I'm actually going to give us the uh, TIFF description of the film, just to keep it very Toronto-themed. Here is the TIFF description. A masked killer terrorizes the counselors of a summer camp in the sardonic slasher comedy, the feature directorial debut from actors Finn Wolfhard and Billy Brick. These are two cutie young fellas that are actually in the film, and I believe i believe wrote and directed it at least directed it and this is like a teen slasher definitely a comedy horror film uh taking on the slasher summer camp trope who were some of the characters in this that were standouts
1: the main character of this movie is named jason and as we know Jason is a name that is pretty synonymous with horror, uh Jason Voorhees, but in this case, Jason is played by Fred Heckinger, I believe is how you say his last name and he's from The White Lotus. He was in the season one as the as the um the cutie brother who like is kind of doing his own thing and uh, he was also in Fear Street and he plays like this basically kind of. We have a loser 20-something camp counselor that comes back every year, and he's so excited to be there, and nobody else is, and you, of course, start wondering if he's the one that's killing all the people that are coming around, because he seems a little bit too too excited about everything he's Mm -hmm. he's dying to be part of it you know
0: Mm -hmm. and what i love about him is that when he gets back to camp he's like as you were saying so excited to be there and he's the only one that's like really bringing that energy all the other counselors are like you know um more sort of sarcastic teenager energy and he's going around saying hi to everyone and he's just like so thrilled to be there and everyone's like didn't you cry and say you weren't coming back this year (laughs) and it's funny there was he really brings the the cutie performance he like he's one of the best part of this film and thank god because he's the lead he's so strong in general like he was great in that first season of the white lotus as the teenage son and he's so good in um fear street as well he's like up and comer definitely someone to keep an Mm -hmm. eye on
1: yeah, he's a cutie, and I, I did interview him for Dread. I think that interview will probably be up later this week. And um, he is just such a sweetie. Speaking of himbos, he definitely gives me a himbo energy. Very, very cute. Very, like, much caring about what he's doing in a similar way to this character, Jason. And I will say, I think Jason is, like, the standout of movie and like the i would say like the funniest in joke about slasher movies really um Mm -hmm. is the fact that he's that he's jason you know
0: what was he like to interview
1: he is such a cutie like he came on and he was like oh my god last night i saw i saw john breon in concert and it was just the best thing ever and i was just like (laughs) oh
0: (laughs) you know he's like one of amy Mann's closest like like collaborators which you know is close to my heart
1: yeah, so he's uh, what I'm saying is, you know, he's one of the good ones. Is is the vibe I get from him, and I think you definitely see mm-hmm. that on screen in, in Hell of a Summer. Like, I think people will love him in it. Becoming a
0: bit of like a staple in the horror genre, even if it's just with Hell of a Summer and Fear Street, like that's enough to get the ball rolling, I would say. Yeah, um, he's
1: also gonna be in some big movies coming up. He's in some uh Craven the Hunter or whatever, and the new <laughs> Gladiator, Gladiator Two. What? So he's he's. Really? Making yeah, I know. <laughs>
0: okay, all right. Cute. I know. Not I like that, that I'm excited
1: him. about. I'm not excited Either about those us. movies, but, you know, I'm excited that he's getting work, is what I'm excited
0: about. Yeah. So we mentioned earlier that this was directed by Finn Wolfhart, who you may know as the lead from actually like a lot of giant stuff, including Stranger Things and the recent. Ghostbusters movie um, he's got a band <laughs> uh, what was his role here how did he sort of come across on screen
1: um, please don't kill me Stranger Things fans uh, mm. I would say he didn't quite register mm. uh, he is kind of a nothing character but I do like that he and Billy play like best friends in it and yeah. there's sort of a th- a thread about that.
0: Yes, I liked that too. I kind of like that he took a bit of a backseat. A because, well, yeah, the performance definitely wasn't one of the stronger ones. Um, and B was cool to see other people shine because he's like such a star, and I don't know, he's kind of distracting because of that. Um, yeah, he definitely was more of a side character. Although he does have a a subplot that I really enjoyed about you know like, his sexual awakening with his, like, first sort of girlfriend, and how, like, um know, yeah, there's, like, a reversal there where, like, instead of girls always being the first to go down on boys, like, he made an effort to really be, like, a very giving <laughs> partner. And I there was kind of, like, a feminist edge to that that I thought was kind of sweet.
1: Yeah, I did like that part. Um, I always love when girls are getting eaten out uh -hmm. in movies um not in like a gross way but you know um and uh yeah yeah i think that's cool and i honestly i will say the other standard of the movie to me was billy was billy actually um Mm -hmm. i thought he was kind of funny as like the like he was also kind of a himbo idiot guy um but there's a couple of final boys in this movie which i always like that as a bit of a twist on the
0: formula Mm -hmm. So what was Billy up to? Like, what was his archetype on screen?
1: He was kind of like the like jock um, who will, like, mm. was like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna drive my dirt bike over the fire," kind of vibe, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. you know. Um, but mm-hmm. he's, but what I liked about the character was that he was kind of a bit of a loser at the same time. Like he, like he talked a big game, but he wasn't actually that tough. And yeah. I think that that's such a real thing.
0: Totally. And I, I like that they sort of made him lovable even though he was that kind of uh, jaw-caught guy. But he was also playing that kind of archetype of a character who's like desperate to have sex and like desperate to like I don't know if he's losing his virginity but something along those lines and like just can't really figure it out. He's <laughs> he's also like this is running gag about how like they when the, the killer starts to kill people they're like is their their theory is that the killer's only killing hot people, yeah, and he's like so offended that he's not dead yet, and it, it's pretty cute, actually,
1: yeah, yeah, like th- those kind of moments are cute. What's less cute to me is some of the jokes are like a bit uh one note or overdone, like. The one that I know you and I are both like, ugh, was like, there is a bit about a tofu burger, and like, one of the parts of that joke is funny, but then (laughs) a lot of it is just like, oh, tofu burgers, vegetarians, like, you're just (laughs) like, okay, sure.
0: Yes, for as many jokes, like, really landed, there are others that are just really could have been cut from it. So, you know, there's... there. (laughs) When I was watching it, I was like, oh, th- I'm really not feeling it. But by the end, you know, it kind of does get you because when it works, it does work. And that leads me to wondering, like, in terms of the writing and direction, mm-hmm. how did you feel about the sort of creative side of it all?
1: I mean, I think that direction was fine. Um, I will say mm-hmm. there was a couple of scenes that I felt like were kind of low lit. Um, in a way where I couldn't see what was happening so well. Um, mm-hmm. And I know that they're in the forest and stuff, but it's a movie, and this this movie isn't, like, totally uh, you know, steeped in realism, so to speak, so no. I don't think that they needed to keep it so dark. Um, and the writing, uh, you know, I think some of the jokes were just a little bit like, uh, this has been done before, and I... I don't know that it, like, works so well as, like, a satire, um, which is what I kind of thought it was going to be. But then I looked I looked at the description. It doesn't actually say satire, so that might have been my mistake. But, like, something like, I would say, like, The Final Girls or, um, you know, even Fear Street does a lot of this stuff a little bit more effectively.
0: Yeah, I would say so. Those examples kind of come in with a little bit more nuance and maybe even a little bit more understanding of the genre that it's satirizing this kind of felt like it was coming from people that were you know maybe not huge horror fans and that were like kind of um maybe a little bit more casual about it and less passionate about horror because it doesn't really feel i don't know like it's coming from a place of expertise
1: you know, I I asked Fred in my interview about what how he would classify this film and basically we came to the consensus that it's really a comedy with horror in it as opposed to a horror comedy. Um mm-hmm. and I think that that's really accurate because I think it I think they really were trying to make a comedy that was just happened to be set in a slasher movie scenario.
0: So, I want to end off on the segment with Let's give the star ratings, and do we recommend it or not? So we'll start with you, Emily.
1: Well, I'm going to give the same star rating I gave to it in my review, which is a three. Um, I I think it's fine. I think it's like a baby's first horror movie. I think Mm -hmm. that the fans of Finn and Billy will enjoy it but I don't know that I would like recommend it to hardcore horror fans. I think it's something that you show your like little cousin when you want to get them sort of in the mood to watch bigger and better horror movies.
0: I think that's really well put. You know, I remember kind of nagging you about giving it a three because it felt a little bit, you know, overly gracious, but the more I reflect on it and the more I think about it and the more I remember how like funny it was in moments, I agree. I think I also give this one three stars. I think that while it maybe isn't for people like you and me, I do think that there's definitely an audience out there that's really, really going to appreciate it. And, you know, maybe it'll sort of be precious for them, you know, in years to come. Like this might get a little bit of a a cult following and I'm happy for the Oliver Rodrigo generation that can enjoy this film
1: yeah that that's it. That's it. If it's a gateway horror for some kids, like I love that mm-hmm. um, I'm here for that because we needed it too right like we we found ourselves through a scream you know well this this is definitely not uh-huh. in that league, but um no I think comedy horror or horror comedies are just like a good stepping stone to get into the you know the harder drug, so to speak.
0: And speaking of harder drugs, I think it might be kind of cute to go from our latest fare to what is arguably our most intense horror movie of the year, which yeah. is when. Yeah, the title here is "When Evil Lurks." So here is the TIFF description: In this shocking supernatural chiller from Argentine master of horror, Damien Rugna, from the director of "Terrified." two brothers race to prevent the spawning of evil incarnate as an epidemic of demonic possessions spread through the rural community. Oh boy. This is a heavy horror movie. Uh, <laughs> I saw a review sort of headline recently that said it was mean spirited. And I, <laughs> I agree with it. Like this is, this is a hard hitting mean little movie and I appreciate that about it, to be honest with you, even though it may not be exactly my type of horror, you know, in terms of preference. Um, yeah, yeah. And what was your like initial response?
1: i so we saw this movie at midnight madness which is a program in the tiff lineup that is pretty infamous and it's the it's the destination for genre stuff um and movies literally play at midnight so the idea is to like really get freaked out and have fun and i would say that we definitely had fun at this movie because it is it is like it's, I guess it's not, like, fun, but it's crazy. Um, it goes shocking. Yeah. Yeah, like, there was definitely a lot of gasps in the theater. Like, people were, like, freaking out because this is a movie where no one is safe. Hmm. You know? Like, uh, kill them kids is what this movie is
0: saying. Yes, I'm glad you're getting into that. Yes, this movie is brutal this movie demolishes and pulverizes lots of little children so Mm -hmm. if that's not your thing just be warned because there's a lot of that here and it's violent there's one moment that I literally I don't remember the last time I've ever screamed but I screamed at one moment in this movie can you I don't want to give it away but do you have a sense of when that could have been
1: I don't know it did involve an
0: axe it involved an animal
1: Oh, the animal. The animal, yes.
0: Um,
1: yeah, oh yeah. I will say also, if you, if you don't like to see animals um, getting it, that also might be an issue for you in this film.
0: Yeah, I, you know, we'll get into later. There's a few TIFF movies this year where animals were uh, not safe on screen, so that can be tough. Not
1: but safe for animals. What would you
0: say the, the tone of this specific horror movie was like?
1: I mean... It, it like i was interested that it, a lot of stuff happened during the daytime or like lighter hours of the day um because i was mm-hmm. expecting it to be like really like nighttime horror and there is certainly nighttime horror but um it's kind of like i would say like a bit of like a family drama as well as a demonic possession film because we do mm-hmm. learn a fair amount about our protagonists um, and their kids and their and their home life and the complications, and then that sort of um, brings us into the horror even more because you like kind of care about what's happening to these characters and you know that the characters themselves really care about the people that these things are happening to so. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, would you say that? Like
0: uh, Yeah, I do definitely. Yeah. There's something about it, and I think this added to how scary it was, that it felt very like realistic and mundane. It was like if what our world would be like if all of a sudden the rules changed drastically and there was sort of like the ability for almost evil dead esque possession and zombie creatures to sort of really invade our life in a like a very aggressive and intimate way. And yeah. it broke it sort of set up rules of horror here in a really interesting um formula that I've never seen before. So like if someone became possessed, like if someone was infected by this whatever this is, they could be horribly mutilated and dead. But then within minutes later they sort of just back and they look like they're fine and they're not they you know communicate really disturbing things and will eventually you know eat you and murder you and and really fuck with your head so there was a sort of evil dead quality to how these monsters interacted with our heroes that I found very scary
1: yeah yeah I would agree with that. It definitely had an evil dead quality a little bit like less silly than sometimes the evil dead movies can be like this is more like serious gonna get you kind of thing um mm-hmm. but um there was st- there were still some laughs i I feel like people were almost laughing just nervously because they were like, I don't know what to do with what I just saw.
0: <laughs> yeah, I would agree with you. It was genuine no it was genuinely shocking, which i appreciate now i tend to like things that are a little bit campier a little bit more fun and i'm not there's fun elements here but this is definitely not a fun movie but if you like your horror like really intense really hardcore i think that this will be appealing to you um my question here is (laughs) I found it to be really gross. Can you talk a little bit about the body horror that was going on?
1: Yeah, it was gross. It was definitely gross. I, um, well, demonic possession, as we know, can be pretty icky. Um, (laughs) anyways, but the, it kind of opens with this like possessed character who is just like, they look sick, you know, like,
0: but how do they look? (sighs) (laughs) well what did you think of that character like so there's this character that starts us off and i think he's kind of like the harbinger of what brings evil into this town yeah when we see him i don't think this is giving too much away but when we see this like sort of first infected person he is body horror incarnate so he's like completely bloated like a big bloated corpse that was underwater for too long yeah like also really pussy and disgusting and like spurting up slime and like not in like a peter jackson way but in like a really nasty body horror way it gave me actually hints of slither okay in, in, in a way have you ever seen that one
1: yeah, yeah, I could see that. I could definitely you know, see like that. the
0: giant sort of exploding lady in Slither, but like without a wink at all, just like in a really mean, nasty way. And they and they try they move this sort of living person, and like, Ugh, and like they can't contain all like the juices and the guts, and it's just like really vile. This movie yeah. is vile, and I really respect that about it.
1: It's like go- goopy and. Uh- icky like you just you leave feeling icky because of that body horror that they don't they don't shy away from it you know what I mean like they like right this is right off the top of the movie and that's like not the worst of it Um, like there's other scenes where you see like a bunch of bodies together um, Mm -hmm. you know you just it's just gnarly it's just gnarly man and I think in that way because I'm pretty sure this movie's coming to shutter right Mm -hmm. yeah um i think this will be a fun one to like watch at home with a couple friends and just be like oh fuck like did i just
0: see that you know yeah yeah Yeah, you're gonna like be cupping your mouth and pointing at the screen no no doubt about that
1: yeah yeah Um, definitely one to watch with a crowd and i I, like i'm glad that we did see it with the midnight madness crowd even though like it was late and i was tired like i think it was like (laughs) worth seeing it with other people reacting because it because it just you're going to react you you can't help yourself.
0: Yeah, if there was one midnight screening to make this year, something tells me that this was the one.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it was the, it was the one we did. So I'm glad <laughs> <Yeah>. we did.
0: <laughs> is there anything about this movie that we didn't like? Was there anything that is sort of like didn't work for us, or was it all kind of tight and and precise?
1: Hmm. Um. I'm not sure. I think in general, like it wasn't my like absolute favorite movie. um, And I'm not sure totally why. Maybe it's just that like possession stuff is not always my bag. Um, I do think that like, sometimes I like that daylight horror, but I think this could have used a little bit more darkness considering how dark the content was. Um, And I also, there's Mm -hmm. kind of a character that has like a mental um, disability that I don't know how I felt about. Um, I felt mm-hmm. like it was a little bit manipulative, that character.
0: Yeah, I would say that that was probably a sore thumb of the film. But generally speaking, while personally it's not, I would say, my kind of movie, it was a hell of a ride and like really tightly made. So what are our final thoughts? What What is our star rating, Emily, and would you recommend it?
1: I would recommend it. I would especially recommend it if you like gross horror movies. I think it's one that like all of us freaks need to see, um, especially like I know a lot of people like Terrified. So I feel like it's a good entry point um, if you need to know more about this, this filmmaker and his fucked up ways um i'm mm-hmm. gonna give it a 3.5 because like it just it, it wasn't totally my thing but i think it's it's pretty well made and i think it's really effective um and i liked how gross it was and i i loved that so many kids died i know that's so dark but i i think a movie that is willing to kill kids has a lot of uh cojones you know and i just yeah. i honor that
0: <laughs> I love that. And I agree with you on so many levels here. Yeah, this this is just outrageous. This is uh, this is shocking and disgusting. And it's like no hold bars at all horror, which I I could be just talking out of my butt. But I feel like we don't really see that so much anymore. I feel like horror is maybe a little less dangerous. And mm-hmm. this is a dangerous horror movie. And I love that about it. So I think I said a few times that maybe it's tonally not exactly in my wheelhouse, but it will be in so many horror fans' wheelhouse. Like I think this is going to become maybe a bit of a a, a classic, and it will be Mm -hmm. interesting to see, you know, as if um, how how audiences are going to respond to it, or if it's just going to get buried in in the streaming of it all. But I think I'm going to give this one four stars because it's just. I mean, this is real horror. Like, this is old-school horror, and I like that.
1: Yeah, totally. I will say also uh, our mutual friend Cam, uh, who we saw uh, another Midnight Madness movie that we won't speak about uh, yeah. with. Yeah. Um, <laughs> He loved this movie and said it was in his top three of the festival. So, oh, wow, uh, yeah. So I, I think it's one that people are, are are really going to enjoy and appreciate if if you are a horror fan. Like I'm not like I wouldn't recommend this as baby's first horror movie um, unless <laughs> no. you really want to fuck up the baby. You know?
0: <laughs> and this movie fucks up the baby. It, <laughs> it does. really does. It does. <laughs> um. I like... This wasn't on purpose. I didn't, like, really think too much about The Order today. But we're really going from... We're really oscillating here between very different films. Started with Hell of a Summer into When Evil Lurks. Next, we're going into something completely different. Not a horror movie. We're going to be talking about um, a documentary. A really what I would describe as a shocking documentary. So, this is the contestant. And here is... The TIFF Description. This true story of a Japanese reality TV star left naked in a room for more than a year, tasked with filling out magazine sweepstakes to earn food and clothing, prompts innumerable questions about our culture of oversharing. This film is from director, I believe uh, UK director, Claire Titley. Uh, yeah, so documentary, The Contestant. Um, to start us off, I'm just going to say, the reason why I chose to bring this onto this horror podcast is, is listen this is not a horror movie at all it's not even a horror themed documentary but i find here at dread central there's so much overlap with the audience of horror and the audiences of disturbing or shocking or genuinely um bizarre documentaries and that's what we have on our hands i would say right now Mm -hmm. and would you say that what how else would you describe what this documentary is about i gave us some but can you fill in the blanks a little bit
1: yeah yeah um this is a movie that i think deals with like pure evil um in terms of humanity Mm -hmm. um so it's like a real life horror Mm -hmm. story about like there's literally a character who or not a character, a person who appears in the documentary, um, who is the producer of this reality show. And he literally describes himself as the devil um, in the course mm-hmm. of the documentary. And when you watch what sort of goes down, you you do really feel like he is the devil because he puts this poor man, who we learn is quite, quite a nice person, just quite a sweetie, mm-hmm. um, through the ringer and it just like this is before reality tv like really really took over our like pop culture um consciousness yeah but this is like an extreme version of where things can go if if we don't you know pull back and say yeah Mm -hmm. maybe that's like not ethical
0: Yeah, really unethical. To give a little bit of context of like when this is going on, so this is a reality show that was very, very popular in Japan, I believe in the late 90s. There was, I forgot the name of the show, I'm so sorry, but there was a reality show that had a bunch of different segments in Japan in the late 90s that some actually considered to be the first reality show of sorts. And it was getting really popular, and this producer, Toshio, really was trying to find more and more sort of outrageous and shocking segments to draw in viewers week by week. And he came up with this idea of putting someone into a tiny little room, totally naked, and see if they could survive off of prizes for until I believe they hit, uh, I think it's like a million yen worth of prizes Mm -hmm. and that's what they do and they find this young man who wants to be an entertainer he wants to be a comedian and he's you know willing to do whatever it takes to make that happen and he auditions and he gets chosen and he goes into this room and he sort of complies with this insanity for over a year, a year and five months. And it kind of reminded me of that real life incident, you know, with the young girl who was abused at the McDonald's and, and there was a film about it called Compliance, mm-hmm. where it's this experiment in how far someone will allow you to hurt them and abuse them based on, you know, the fact that you have power over them. And it's just shocking. It's just like your your mouth is just gonna be a gate for this entire film and you know, it's, a, it's not giving anything away because everyone It's a sort of like a popular story. It kind of has made its way through TikTok recently. And by the end of it, he is like one of the most famous people in Japan. Like he has really achieved super stardom in a way that he, is completely shocking to him. Um, it's very Truman show. And it's just say very, that. Yeah. And they they talk about Truman Show in the documentary. It's a couple years before it actually came out. um, But it's just, like, so surreal and feels impossible, but yet it did happen.
1: Yeah. To be clear, like, this guy basically auditioned or came to an audition for this show and was like picked out of a group of people to just immediately start filming and like he really didn't know that it was going to be like live broadcast he just thought that they were filming something and that it would be shown later and be edited so like he really didn't give consent um in the way that they should have got his consent like Mm he he basically was tricked into being part of this and apparently the door was open it like was not locked he could have just walked out but he didn't know that So he just played along and part of what the documentary shows us is that this guy really just is like a sweet guy that just wants to make people laugh. So he kind of just was in it to be fun and and have fun and entertain people. Um, And I certainly think he did that, but maybe not in the way that he thought that he was like people were not necessarily laughing with him. They were laughing at him at times.
0: You're right. They were. but something that I've, the documentary tries to express by the end was, you know, the country eventually, like, fell in love with him. Yeah, they, they, every time he failed, their heart broke every time he succeeded, they were thrilled. He was one of the first examples, I guess, of parasocial relationships. And um, yeah, he was, it's just like a human guinea pig experiment. That on some level is just you know so fascinating, but on so many other levels is just beyond cruel. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. It's the there's, um, this this movie has like all the footage, like like you just see everything that everybody saw, um, which I think is so terrifying because you're like this was like live broadcast, like it was like Big Brother or something, exactly. Um, and people were just watching it and and it gets to the point where like um you know the big reveal of of what's happening to him they do it in like a live studio audience and he just is processing everything in that moment and he didn't know anything and it's like yeah it it does make good for good tv but at what cost you know
0: yeah yes um and I think and I think you may have said this already, Emily. But like, mm-hmm. we're not even totally sure if he knew he was on TV because when they left him in the room, they said, "Really, none of this footage is going to be used." Yeah. And yet, for a year and a half, he was basically live broadcast to an entire country. Um, and that's not it. We're not going to get too much into sort of the second half of the documentary. Yeah. But there was also a lot of really shocking events in his life after he sort of became a civilian again and you know including some natural disasters like the tsunami that occurred in japan and, and other things and it just became clear that this is like a really um extraordinary person that they popped yeah. out of nowhere
1: yeah yeah like as much as he was in a fucked up situation, he like, this is the kind of person you want to become famous because he's going to like use his fame for good,
0: you know? Mm-hmm. And he definitely did. Like, mm-hmm. what are your final thoughts o- on this film? What else about it, you know, struck you? Is there anything else you want to add?
1: Yeah, I would say that um, I liked this film. I think the story is fascinating and the footage is insane and I I was at um, an earlier screening of it and and the filmmaker was there and and they were saying that it really took them quite a bit of time to get access to all of these people and get these interviews and also get this footage collected and I really admire that. I think that like if you already know this story, it's probably not going to give you a lot of new information and one of the things that I kind of wish it had gotten into is just sort of like how this affected reality tv in japan after or like more from some people um who watched this film and how it affected them like i think it it really focuses on one part of the story but it made me so curious and i would love to see this maybe like expanded into a larger um piece or just i would just love to learn more about um this this story and and i guess like japanese uh tv shows because they are insane
0: yeah we you know we all kind of know it like it's kind of like um almost like a casual thing we grew up knowing that like japanese programming was like really surreal but it's not not in a way that like we were concerned about this gave it some very interesting context um what would be your star rating for this m and would you recommend it
1: i would recommend it i think it's a film that like anybody could watch and really i don't want to say enjoy because a lot of times it's like quite disturbing but i think you could get into i'm i think i'm gonna give it i think i might give it a three i love the story i just i think i wanted a little bit more from like the documentary filmmaking but i think it's an it's an effective shockumentary, mm-hmm. is what i'm going to say <laughs>
0: I agree yeah. with you on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. um This is extremely engaging. Like, you're not going to be bored for a second. And if, like me, you don't know anything about this going in, I think it's really going to heighten the experience. But I um, do kind of agree that there's like in the the the, huh, the people involved and the story is extremely fascinating and extraordinary. But the filmmaking itself and like the the documentary itself. I guess, could be considered a little bit surface. Anyway, I I would give this a three and a half. Mm -hmm. It does feel like something that, like, (laughs) would just be, like, a really phenomenal TikTok or something. Like, it does feel like something that could have been shorter, um, shorter form, maybe.
1: Yeah. But I loved
0: it at the same time.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I like, I guess... I guess I don't think it would be like a repeat watch, but for that one watch, you're like, whoa, like, this is crazy. Um, And I definitely think that people will eat it up. Like, I hope that it ends up on a platform that people can watch it, because I think it'll really really be an interesting one. And I think an especially interesting one to look at, like, you know, we're past... The reality tv like like that, it still exists but it's more and more scripted but i think like this sort of is a great thing to watch when we look at like social media and just the way that we like you know observe people to this day
0: mm-hmm.
1: um and like is yep. that okay
0: definitely more relevant than ever so yeah very yeah. interesting one kind of feels like a vice documentary will be the last thing i say about it yeah um okay so for our last two films today Um, Me and Emily are going to sort of just do as mini segments. So I'm going to start off with a film called Sleep. And here was the TIFF description. Expectant parents navigate a nightmare scenario when a spouse develops a sleep disorder that uh, may lead to a disturbing split personality in writer-director Jason News' intense horror feature debut. So this is a Korean horror film that is truly a horror movie in the classical sense. Um, Korean horror sort of has a really good reputation for being, uh, I would say, like crafted really tight. And this is no exception. This movie, this movie was really beautiful. This movie had some very, very, um, like the, the two lead characters are just so charming and so much fun to hang out with for an hour and a half. Um, And when shit starts to hit the fan, it really raises the stakes because you just love this young couple so much and you're rooting for them so thoroughly. And then all of a sudden, you know, things get really frightening and really out of control. And there's just something about, Uh, sleep that's scary because it's when we are our most vulnerable we'll talk about it a little bit with your film too but Mm -hmm. um the idea of you know your bed and being asleep and dreaming like this is a really intimate space where your guard is down no matter what you want like yeah and and when things go wrong you know you're you're definitely at risk this kind of flips it on its head where it's the person that's sleeping is the one that becomes the danger potentially in the situation where there's this young couple and the husband starts to do very strange things in the night and the wife is about to give birth and this really ups the stakes because he's doing things that might be considered or leading towards violent or just really frightening and what are they going to do when the baby's born it also really plays yeah it's really scary like there are there are like it's there's day scenes and there's night scenes and the contrast between the two is huge the day scenes are so charming and lovely and, and and there's this quirky dynamic between the two that is kind of you know i don't know just like really appealing. And then at night, like, it's just really tense. And every little noise puts up, will sort of put your back up. I also love how this movie (sighs) toys with your mind. And you're never totally sure if this is a supernatural problem or a psychological problem. Okay. And that's, yeah, it it does keep you guessing For so long, and it's so interesting and engaging. The last thing I'll say about it is that there's a really incredible standout character. There is this older, intense woman who is kind of like um, an exorcist of sorts. And Mm -hmm. she comes into the space and she just steals the scene. She has this tight little cropped, like, gray haircut and this bright red lip, and she's so intense. And at the same time, she's also kind of giving Lin Shay an insidious. And I wish we could have spent a little bit more time with her because she's like an instant horror icon. And I'm kind of excited for everyone to experience her, even though she has such little screen time. So that. She
1: sounds great.
0: You'll love her for sure. Uh, I think this is definitely my favorite of the horror films of tiff this year there's no doubt about it and my favorite of the midnight madness section i have to give this an easy four stars it's scary and it's charming and i think i think people are really really gonna like it so yeah sleep the first movie by jason you highly recommend it for me
1: love it um Um,
0: and yeah i
1: i just wanted to add that apparently bong Jun ho Uh, Said that it was the most unique horror film and smartest debut film he's seen in 10 years. So, like.
0: That's so specific of him. I love him.
1: I know. I know. So, uh,
0: he's right. You and
1: Bong are on the same (laughs) page.
0: We get along, me and Bong. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So, really passionate about this one. Really excited for it to come out. And kind of crazy that this is the one I chose to, t- to speak about, and now we're going to go into your film M, which yeah. is not completely out of line. So why don't you talk to us about Dream Scenario?
1: Yeah, would you like me to read the description first and foremost because I can do that. Um, yes, please. This satirical swipe at celebrity and group think from writer-director Christopher Borgley and co-producer Ari Aster stars Nicolas Cage as an inconspicuous academic who is thrust into the limelight after he starts inexplicably appearing in people's dreams. As I describe Gorge. this, I, I really think it is adaptation the charlie kaufman film Mm. meets a nightmare on Uh elm street um (laughs) which i know sounds crazy and adaptation partially coming from Nicolas cage being in it and the and the way that he acts he's very neurotic in it he's like he's this professor who is just awkward and like like his his kids don't like him his wife finds him embarrassing you know like he's just like the like most boring uninteresting guy that you like literally there's a thread about how like people don't really want to invite him to parties like he gets left off the guest list and so to have him suddenly appearing in your dream is like kind of funny because he's so like unassuming and at the beginning of the film he appears in people's dreams like literally just standing there like he's not (laughs) doing anything (laughs) like he's he's literally just like a a bystander to like horrific things that are happening or weird things that are happening in your dream like he's standing in the corner um just looking at you while you're doing something and so it's very strange and at first it's funny like you're like this crazy guy and he starts becoming famous because of it like because everybody's like I know that guy like I've seen him and I don't know him and then kids at school start thinking it's cool and they like people show up to his class all of a sudden they're excited to see him and they're taking selfies with him and it kind of like starts getting to his head and just as it starts getting to his head things take a dark twist where he starts like murdering raping uh, doing awful things to people in their dreams and so what happens then? And it's it just, it's the fact that Ari Aster produced this really makes sense to me because it does have that like dark comedy of hereditary and Midsommar. And I haven't seen Boa's afraid, but I assume. Um, and I, I think that people will really enjoy the tone of this film. But even though it's funny, there are real moments of horror. Like, the, some of the dreams are, are really shot beautifully like like a very artful like Freddy Krueger scenario um, mm-hmm. that will like like you know somebody like running at the camera and, and getting you um, a weird like bloody figure walking at you like just just horrific images that really hammer home why people might start reacting in a strange way to him it's like it's it's quite a fascinating movie that like I think people have a lot of fun with, and I think A twenty four has like a possible hit on its hands with this, to be honest. Because yeah. um, mm-hmm. I think people will go see it because they like Nicolas Cage and they like when he's doing crazy stuff. Um, and uh, but I also think it's like a, it's a fun movie. My one sort of comment on it that makes it not. A four for me is that it is kind of a commentary on cancel culture. And I don't Mm -hmm. know how many more movies we need from men about cancel culture and men. Um I think Mm -hmm. like the point has been made, you know.
0: Yeah, and poorly and wrong and yeah, okay. That's that's kind of disappointing. Yeah. Talk a little bit more about that. That's fascinating
1: so basically like of course like paul starts murdering raping people in the dreams and people start like turning on him and then there's a whole thread uh, aside from just like him and his daily life with like um an agency that wants to sort of promote him and Mm -hmm. um the person running the agency is michael Sarah, which is brilliant casting um and kate berlant is also in the agency oh my god um and so, like, there's a lot of stuff of, like, at first, you know, uh, companies like Sprite are interested in partnering with him. And they're like, oh, like, how could we, like, make it so that people not only see you in their dreams, but they see Sprite in their dreams, too. Like, it's, it's kind of a joke, um, which mm-hmm. I think. I thought was kind of funny and like just like too real in terms of like marketing culture. But then when things start turning badly, it's like who who will accept him? And there's a joke like, well, France loves you. And
0: (laughs) you're you're like, you're like,
1: yeah, because like you think of Johnny Depp, for example. And I, I just I don't know that
0: or Woody Allen
1: or Woody Allen or any of these (sighs) horrific predators that French people love. Um, people
0: are into
1: yeah, yeah, so anyways, I just don't know that like ultimately it's saying anything new about cancel culture, like if you saw like Tar, for example, it's a similar kind of scenario, but I think mm. like the lead up to that ending is like really fun, and I think it is just like that it's a really nice blend, unlike something like hell of a summer that I think really just leans into the comedy and and doesn't do enough with the horror. I think this like is a really good blend of both. And I think it's also mm-hmm. shot on film. It looks really gorgeous. It's got autumnal vibes. I just think it'll be, I think it's coming out in November uh, in theaters. Mm-hmm. And I think it is a movie that um, is definitely worth seeing. And uh, like, I really enjoyed it as a break from like reality in the middle of the festival after seeing a bunch of like foreign films that were more heavy. This was just sort of like a breath of, of, twisted uh and ranted uh, air that i like needed
0: you know i love it okay so what's your star rating
1: i'm gonna give it a 3.5 that's what i gave it in my review um i do think like it is fun it's a good time it's not perfect though and i i do think like there's some like a24 mastery in the marketing of it that like kind of makes me feel icky read my review if you want to see what i mean but um yeah, it's a rec- it's a recommend for me for sure. Um, but I don't think it's perfect. I think it's just an enjoyable watch, and I think sometimes that's that's all we need. You know, it, it doesn't I, have to be amazing.
0: Yeah, I totally agree with that. Very cool. Do you think I'm gonna like it?
1: I think you will. I'm very curious to see what you think of the cancel culture thing. But I think you will find <sighs> it funny. I don't know how how anybody could like not find it funny. Um, and. But I think it, it might anger you in the way that like some of those like A24 guys do because you're like, oh, this guy got an opportunity, but he does. It is well made. So I, th- I think you'll like it, but you might also resent it at the same time. Do you know what I mean?
0: Totally. <laughs> well, that kind of brings us to the end here. But before we log off, I think, you know, horror or otherwise, do we want to just give one more shout out each really quick to like another film that we loved in this festival? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll start with you, Em.
1: Yeah, um, my biggest uh, discovery of the festival was this movie called Humanist Vampire Seeking Consenting Suicidal Person. It is as weird and charming as the title suggests. It is a Quebecois film that uh, every goth girl needs to see. I just I loved it. It kind of gave me Harold and Maude vibes, but with a vampire and a human boy and it's it's just a delight. Uh, it's coming to Canadian theaters on uh, Friday the thirteenth this year. I don't know when it's going to come to the US, but I think it will eventually. And if you can find it, um, see it. It is it is really worth your time.
0: Nice. And uh, for me, I'm going to recommend Silver Dollar Road. It was something I went in completely blind, and was you know really moved by. It's a documentary about um. A black family in North Carolina and the land that their family had owned for generations, I think actually from when they were emancipated from slavery till now. And of course, there are just terrible actors in this world who are trying to take this land away from them. And the film is just about their dedication to holding on to it and the really difficult challenges that they face to ensure that you know, it's in their family for generations. I think that that's going to be hitting prime video next month. And it's, yeah, it's really, it's really lovely.
1: I love it. I can't wait um, to see that. I really can't. I think, yeah, I think
0: you'll like it. Um, well, that's it for our TIFF experience. I think we did see some shocking, some outrageous and some scary stuff this year. And, uh, I hope that everyone at home sort of gets to enjoy these recommendations sooner than later. M, I'm wondering, mm-hmm. you know, where can people find you online if you wanted to be found?
1: Oh my God. Do I want to be found is the question.
0: Um, <laughs> I do want to be found.
1: Uh, you can find me at Emily Gagne. That's at Emily Gagne on X slash Twitter. Um <laughs> I'm I'm also on uh Instagram as Lady Gaganye And if you want to find me on letterboxd uh I'm also at Emily Gagne. Um and I do have a Substack newsletter called Himbo Cinema if you want to read that. Um and then you can find me on Dread as well. Like I, I have a monthly um column called Final Girl Fashion, as I said, and the most recent one is about uh texas chainsaw massacre 2 so i highly recommend you read that um but also just yeah just find me on the internet look me up um and uh just thank you so much for letting me be here all right this this was really fun mm. um tiff is always really fun and it's just it's just great to reflect on all the like crazy movies that we get to see
0: yeah it's so energizing to watch a bunch of freaky movies and then go back to our real lives Thank you so much for listening to Development Hell. If you enjoy this podcast, then please do us a major favor of leaving us five stars and writing a positive review. It really makes all the difference in the world. We'll see you next week with a brand new episode of Development Hell. Thank you for listening to the Dread Podcast Network. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that.